Okay, uh, I'll just, uh, before we begin, uh, just uh, a few words of introduction about the shir, about the way we intend to, uh, to learn it over here. Uh, the on the signs it said Tanya in depth, but depth has many meanings. Because when you learn Tanya, there's many ways of learning Tanya. Um, there's just, just simply reading it and, and seeing what it says, and then there's... Uh, Going into more in depth, but in depth could mean there's also Tanya has a. Uh, Rebbe was when he wrote Tanya the Baal Tanya he wrote it and he was very medayik he was very careful he, he it says it's Chassidim say that he he spent uh, many there was a, he spent a few weeks deciding if he should write a certain letter with a vav or without a vav he was very precise about everything he wrote so sometimes people learn Tanya in depth and they uh, they're misakiv they they stress and they spend time on understanding this lush and that lush and what does he mean with this what's the pshat over here. That's not what we're going to do in this year, because that's not the, the purpose of this year. When we wrote Tanya in depth, it means that we're going to try to go into the Musagim, the ideas, the concepts that Alter Rebbe says, and, and, and make sure that they're properly understood. That's, uh, that's the intention of this year. Just, uh, just wanted to make that clear before we start. Also, I see Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of there's, uh, different kinds of people. Some people have learned Tanya before, some people haven't. So while uh, questions are welcome, but I just ask if someone is, uh, has already learned and wants to ask a question based on something else that he's learned to see this, so maybe better for the end of this year, after this year, just for the good of the people which haven't yet learned uh, Tanya. I want to, I want to confuse everyone with uh, with things which it says in other places. We'll just stick to what it says over here. That's, uh, that's okay. Okay. So now we'll start with um, the 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 Sharblat. What page number it is? Uh, it has a page number. You see the Sharblat where it says Sefer Lekuti Amarim Chelikidishin. It's before there. Before Peretai. This was also written by the Alter Rebbe himself, by the Alter Tan himself. It's before that's come, it's even before that. Even before that. Yeah, that's it, right there. Yeah. See, you got it, yeah? Okay. See where it says in big letters, Seyfel Lekot Yamar and Chayla Kedishin. Right, everyone has it? Yeah. Okay, so it says, Seyfel Lekot Yamar and Chayla Kedishin. This book, the Alter Rebbe, he calls it Seyfel Lekot Yamarim, a collection of, of sayings. It's a very, it was very, it was out of humility that he just writes, it's just a collection of sayings, so to speak. And it's Chayla Kedishin, because it has more than one Chayla, as we'll discuss soon, actually. It's important to, uh, to understand that actually Chayla Kedishin has another Chayla, a very important and vital Chayla, called Shari Yechizah which is the second Chayla, but we'll get to it soon, that in a way it's actually the first. And Anika B'Shem Sefer Shalbenim. This part of the first Chayla of Tanya is uh, called Sefer Shalbenim. What does it mean, Sefer Shalbenim? Benini, there's two, there's three kinds of people. There's a tzaddik, there's a rush, and there's a benini. We're going to discuss that at length soon. Um, a person's job in this world is to be a benini, to go on the ways of a benini, not to, to not to be a tzaddik, as we're going to discuss later. To be a tzaddik, a tzaddik is something that you have to be born that way. Not that a person is born a tzaddik the second he's born, he's already a tzaddik. But it means that he has the potential to be a tzaddik when he's born that way. In other words, like for example, if you say someone is a genius. Right? Is a genius someone who worked hard or is a genius someone that was born in a certain way? So it's a bit of both. If he was, uh, he was born in a certain way and because he decided to use that as talents, he became, a, he became a big genius. But not every single person, even if he'll try as hard as he, as he could, is going to be able to be a genius. He might, be, he might get somewhere, but he's not going to be a genius. Or someone who has a talent uh, to build. So if he develops his talent, he can become an expert builder. If he doesn't have it in him, he's not going to have it. He's not going to be able to do it. Not every single thing is a kind of person do. Same thing is with a tzaddik. A tzaddik obviously worked very hard, very hard, and got to very great levels in Avedis Hashem, but that's only because he was born with, that he, the fact that he was able to get where he got was only because he was born with a certain kind of neshama, and that's his mission on this world, to be a tzaddik. A regular person's job is to go in the ways of Bain and him. This is what we'll discuss later at length, what it means, but in, in, in a nutshell, the difference between a Bain and a tzaddik is that a Bainini does everything that he's supposed to do. He never, he, he does, he follows everything, every single mitzvah, he never does any Avedis, Etc. But he, the Ebenini, still has a desire to do sometimes things which you're not supposed to do. In other words, his heart sometimes desires to, to be able to even just to relax, to not to use out every second to learn Teda. Doesn't it's not natural to him. His heart sometimes wants him to do things which is which is not the correct thing to do. A tzaddik is someone that even never desires anything wrong. And that to get to that level, like we said, that's not not every single person is meant to get to that level. And Hashem didn't want every person to get to that level. That's not the point. That's not why a person was created. The job in this world is, notwithstanding all the challenges that he has, he should, he should serve the Ebeshter properly. So that's why this book, 
is a Sefer Shalbenin. This book is called Sefer Shalbenin. The Alpharev is not going to discuss um, lofty levels of tzaddikim, etc. It discusses it a little bit just so we get an understanding about what we're talking about, but it's not directed to great madregas. It's directed to a, what's something in Aveda that every single person is able to do. A type of service that every single person is able to do. Okay, then he says that Melukit with Pisvarim Pisafrim, this Sefer is based on, collected from Svarim and Seferim. Seferim means teachers. And it's known that Svarim over here means that mainly the Shalom and the Maral. That bases a lot of his teachings on those two Svarim. And Seferim means the Balshamtav and the Mizit Shemagi, the teachers of the Alter Rebbe. Kadesh Shalil Nishma Seidin. Miyusid al Pasaki Karav Ilacha Adava Maid, Beficha of Uvavchala Seisi, Levad Hatev Echu Karav Maid. The Pasuk says, don't think that the Teir is somewhere in heaven, that you have to go up with a ladder and say, uh, who's going to go to the heaven to bring down the Teir for us? Don't think it's Me'evel Ayam. Don't think it's somewhere, you know, somewhere that's impossible to get there. It's accessible. It's And the Teir says three things are accessible. with your mouth. Just to, to use the, to use out your mouth to speak the right things that you're supposed to speak to use your mouth to speak words of teira. Lavavcha means with your heart. Laseisa means action to do everything that Hashem asks you to do. So three things are accessible. Beficha lavavcha laseisa. Now, obviously, what the teira says that these things are accessible, it doesn't mean that they're easy. That's not the intention of the teira. It doesn't say it's easy to do. It says kikarif. It meaning it's not it's not in heaven. It's something which you, if you work hard, you're able to do it. But even when we say that it's accessible and it's possible. The question is, when we talk about Beficha and Laseisai, that we understand. If we tell someone, speak certain words of Taira, don't talk Lashon Hara, it might be hard. Everyone knows that in the end of the day, if he really wanted, he would be able to do it. He, he could stop himself from not talking what he's not supposed to talk, and he could yes talk what he's supposed to do. Everyone knows that it might be hard to do all the mitzvahs, but if you really try hard, you'll be able to do it. But when we talk about Bulvavcha, your heart, what does it mean your heart? Your heart has the desire to love Hashem, fear Hashem. If you tell someone who doesn't like a certain kind of food, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't find, he doesn't think it's something which he, he likes, he just doesn't have any liking for it. You tell him, start liking it. He might try as hard as he wants. You can't, you can't control a person's emotion. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. He could say, notwithstanding that I don't like it, I'll eat it. Right? Or something, or the other way around. Notwithstanding that I really do like it, I, I nevertheless won't eat it. A person could control his actions, notwithstanding where his heart is, but he can't change the direction of his heart. So that's the question. How could the Pasuk say, it's accessible not just to serve Hashem with your mouth and and with action. It's accessible and it's possible for it's in the reach of every single person to serve Hashem with his heart, to love Hashem, to fear Hashem. And how is that possible? The Gemara says, The Gemara says, Is Yiras Shemayim to fear Hashem something that you could say that it's you know, simple and everyone is able to do it? And definitely when we talk about loving Hashem, that's even a, a harder thing to, that to decide to start, start loving Hashem. So that's what this book, Tanya, is here to explain how it's kind of made. It's accessible for every single year to serve the Ebeshter, not just Beficha and Laseisa, but Bovavcha, with your heart. And in essence, that's really what the entire Chesidus is about. Bashamtev and Chesidus, it's all about the Bovavcha. In other words, Bashamtev introduced a new way of serving Hashem. It's not, it's not that the Bashamtev came and told us to do different mitzvahs or to change Shulchan Aruch or to, to act differently when, when we talk about mitzvahs, to do less mitzvahs or to add any mitzvahs. We had a, the Sanhedrin in the time of the Bishamikdash. We were able to make takanis. They were able to make new gzeres, new mitzvahs trabanan. We don't have that power. No one, in this, no one in these generations has that power. And that would be against the system of Yiddishkeit. The Vashem came to give life into Yiddishkeit. There's a, there's a Lashen that it says by Chesidim that the, the world before the Vashem came was in a matzav of his alphas. His alphas means like someone who fainted. When someone's fainted, he's alive. He's alive. But... His life isn't really there. You have, to, you have to revive him. You have to give him a new life. He's, he's fully there. Everything's there. Everything's working in his body. But you have to still add that sense of life so that he should really be the way he's supposed to be. So the whole world, at the time before the Baal because we came closer to Mashiach and we had the Yiddish Sadeiris, and, and the world is in a matzav of his alphas. Maybe people were learning Torah and people were doing what they were supposed to do, but the Bulvavcha aspect is lacking. The Baal came and added, told us how to be served Hashem Bulvavcha, that it should be in a way that your heart is there also, your chayas is there. Right, like they say from the Kotzke Rebbe that the Baal Shem Tov, uh, the main thing of the Baal Shem Tov was to teach us not to do mitzvahs anashim lamada. The lashon of the pasuk mitzvah anashim lamada means people who do mitzvahs out of habit. But they just do because that's what they're used to doing, and they just continue to do it. So Baal Shem Tov came, stop doing mitzvahs out of habit. It should be that you should be part of it. Your heart should really be there. So that's the that's the point of the sefer. 
to give a, a, a guide and a, you know, a structured guide, how is it possible for every single year to serve Hashem with your, with your heart? And he continues and he says, The way that he's going to explain it, how to serve Hashem with your heart, is What does it mean, Arucha Uktsara? This is a Lashon of the Gemara. Gemara says that Abishu ben Levi once came to a fork in the road, and there were two places to go, one way or another way, and he wasn't sure which way to take, which way is the right, correct route. So there was a child sitting over there, and he asked him, what way is the correct way to go? So he told him, one way is a derech ktsara v'arucha, it's a short and long way, and the other one is arucha ktsara, it's a long and a short way. So Rabbi Shubham Levi said first, he thought that he tells him one way is a short and long way, so it's short, I'm going to take the derech ktsara v'arucha. So he went there, and indeed the path was very, very short. But as soon as he came to the end of it, there was Guinness and Pardesim, there was all sorts of uh, trees over there and different things that were blocking him and it wasn't really possible for him to get into the city, into the place where he was trying to go. So he came back and he told the child, you told me it's a derech tzara, you told me it's a short route. So he said, but I told you it's a derech tzara varucha, I also told you that it's a long route. In other words, short and long means it's short, but you're not going to get there in the end, you're not going to get to your real goal in the end. So he ended up taking the other way, which was a much longer route, but in the end of the day, he got where he was supposed to get. So the same thing is when we, we talk about serving Hashem, there are two routes. There's a derech tzara varucha, a short and long way. In other words, short means that it has more instant access, aside instant results. It's more, it's more you, you feel right away that, you, that what you're doing is working. But in the end of the day, you haven't really changed yourself. A derech arucha tzara is a much, much greater, harder work. And you don't see instant results. It's not something like that you, you learn and you feel right away, wow, something changed in my life. It, might, it takes a... It's a, it's a long route, but it's it's because in the end of the day, you really change your inner self. It's not just that you fixed one, corrected one specific problem, you really changed your inner self. They say a marshal, they say that there was a, a person, Reuven, a Shimon, Reuven comes and sees that Shimon is all depressed. So he tells him, why are you so depressed? So he tells him, I have a problem, I have a lot of problems, a lot, a lot of problems. What are, we, what are your problems? Tell me all your different problems. He starts telling like this, I'm a very poor man, and I have a daughter that I have to marry off, and I need 100 ruble for Nadim, for dowry. Okay, that's one problem. What's your other problem? I have another problem that I also need another 100 ruble for, uh, for, to the, for the suda, for the meal of the wedding. Another 100 ruble I need also for, for, to, for the music of the wedding. Then I have another problem that I have another daughter. She also needs 100 ruble for a dowry, etc., etc. Those lists all the problems. So Shimon says to him, I don't understand. You said you're depressed because you have a lot of problems. You actually only have one problem, that you need 1,000 ruble. You don't have many problems. You have one problem, you need 1,000 ruble. You're splitting it into so many different problems. The same idea... There's different ways of treating problems that we have in Avedis Hashem. Let's say a person has a problem, he's a kaisen, he gets angry. Or he has a problem with gaiva. Many, many different problems. So there are many svarim, which are, will give you eitzis. They'll give you ideas, and they'll tell you how to fix up that specific problem. And that's very good. A person's supposed to use those things. But in the end of the day, those things are, might work quick. They might be very good eitzis. But it's still going to be a derech haruch ha have you really changed yourself? Have you changed the source of all the reasons why you, why you have these problems? Why you have this, uh, probably this issue of gaiva, this issue of kasa, this issue of whatever issue it is that the person's struggling with? There's another way of going, that's the root of what, what Tanya does. He doesn't discuss so many practical, like practical in the sense of like directly practical aids. He does a little bit also, but that's not the focus of the Sefer. The Sefer doesn't go into, you know, deal with this issue through this, deal with this issue through this. It's more a general approach to understanding what a yid really is, who you really are, What's your connection with the Eibishter? How? What's the way you're supposed to go about to serving the Eibishter? When you fix your real self, the bovavcha, the real self, then all the other problems. It's a much more. It takes a long, lot longer, and it's a lot more work. But it's a derech haruchah because in the end of the day, you haven't just fixed up specific problems. You've really changed yourself. So that's the that's the focus. The way the sefer of Tanya. That's the derech atal Rebbe takes. Okay, let's go to um, to Peter Kalev. <laughs> Before that, I'll just mention a few things. Daltreb actually writes an introduction. We're not going to learn it inside now. I'll just say one um, point from the introduction of Daltreb that he discusses what's unique about the Sefer. He's explaining why this is unique. You know, there's many Svarim which were written and um, by great people and they're giving different Aetis in Avedis Hashem. They're giving different ways of serving the Evishter. But they were written more by a person who's very wise and has ideas, ideas how to, how to help you serve Hashem. Often they're written based on Mamari Chazal, based on things from the Torah, something which is based on Mamari Chazal. Automatically, every single Yid can learn from it because every Yid is connected to every part of Torah. There's no question that every Yid can benefit from any part of Torah. The only thing is that not only do, not always does a person recognize how that part of Torah connects to him. It says that it's all there, 
but you have to really you have to be the one who's able to, to reveal it, to find that part of Torah and see how that connects to you. The, the, what's unique about this Sefer was that Al Tarebbe was a guide for many years. He's a guide, and I've a practical guide. He had people who came to him, you know, there, was, there were different shittas in, um, in the Derech of the Baal of itself. All, of course, are, are correct and Kaddish, but there was different, different approaches. So the, the other tzaddikim, they put more of a focus on Amun's tzaddikim. They said, and not everyone should come and believe in the tzaddik and connect to the tzaddik. And, um, and that's, that's the main thing. When you connect to the tzaddik, so the tzaddik takes you with him. He elevates you, he takes you with him. The al approach was not like that. His approach was that a tzaddik is more of a guide to elevate you. Of course, you have to connect to tzaddik. We're going to learn about that later in, in Tanya itself, why that's so important. But the main focus of a tzaddik is to elevate people on their own, to give them the kachas. Like there's a famous story, I'm sure many have heard the story, that the, uh, the person came, uh, Yudah Avner, he was uh, someone in, who worked in there to sit on the government, and he came to the Rebbe, and he asked the Rebbe, and he, when he, was part of, well, he was talking to the Rebbe for a long time, and he asked the Rebbe, what is a Rebbe? What's the job of a Rebbe? So the Rebbe said that a Rebbe, every Yid has a neshama, like, and neshama is compared to a candle. Like it says in the Pasuk, Neir Avayin Nishmasada. Neir Hashem Nishmasada. Neshama is like a candle. So the Rebbe's job is to light up that candle. Every single person has the neshama, but we need to light up the candle. So, okay. Then they spoke for a long time about different things, and at the end of the audience, the end of the meeting, Yudah Avner says to the Rebbe, Rebbe, did you, did you light my, my, my neshama? Did you light it? Did you manage it? Were you successful? So the Rebbe said, no, I didn't light it for you, but I gave you the match. In other words, the job of a tzaddik is not that he should do the job for you. It's to give you the tools that you should be able to do the job for yourself. So the Alter Rebbe, was, that, was his, that was his approach. And therefore, for many years, he had people coming to him and discussing with him how to serve Hashem, what's the correct way to serve Hashem. And, he, and with this experience of, of many years of guiding people, what happened was after a while, it became too much. There were too many people coming. And he wasn't able to give time for every single one of them. So he decided that he's going to write it all down on a sefer. And he says that everyone could find over there the answers in the Sefer. But the Sefer is built based on actual practical experience of dealing with people and, and listening to their problems and Avedit Hashem and helping them. In other words, it wasn't just because he had a great idea or he was a big Talmud Chacham and he found in Tera different Aces. It was more practically built from practical, actual experience. That's, uh, that's what he discusses uh, in the Hatidama. Before we begin at Perek Aleph, I want to make a general introduction to uh, understanding many, many of the concepts that we're going to learn in Tanya. I think that's, it's very important to focus on this first. Like I mentioned before, this in Sefer Atani actually has two halakim, has two, two sections. The first uh, section is what we're going to learn now, which is uh, called Sefer Shalbeninim. And then there's a second section, which is called Shara Yichud Vayamun. Now, Shara Yichud Vayamun, the difference between this Sefer, Sefer Shalbeninim, and Shara Yichud Vayamun is that Sefer Shalbeninim is more of a practical Sefer. It's more talking to a person, telling him how to serve Hashem. Shara Yichud Vayamun is more of a philosophical Sefer. It's more discusses the idea of the oneness of Hashem. We'll get to that in a second exactly but what that means. But the oneness of Hashem, that's what Shari Yechavah discusses. Now, when the Altarebbe wrote these two halakim of Tanya, he actually intended to print the second chilek, what's now the second chilek, Shari Yechavah His original thought was to print that first. That should be chilek Aleph. And this part that we're going to learn now, Sefer Shabbat should be chilek Beis. And um, he, even though he changed his mind, for whatever reason, but he even left... In the second chilek of Tanya, in Shari Chavamuna, he left a couple of times where he writes, Kameshu as I will explain. As I will explain. And where is that as I will explain in future tense? In this part, in the first part of Tanya. In other words, he's showing you that even after I change the order, there's still room to, for, it still makes sense kind of that the second chilek, Shari Chavamuna, should actually be in order, should be the first chilek. should come before the Sefer of Sefer Shalbena. So, even though, L'Payel Al-Tarebbe made this safer first, but I, I think it's important that we understand a little bit of the central message of Shari Chedva before we learn this, uh, this part of Tanya. Because the entire, basically the point, the difference between the two halakim is, Dir Al-Tarebbe explains, explains the actual philosophy of Chabad. What's, what's it all based on? What's the understanding of Amuna according to the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev? What does it mean to believe in Hashem according to the Baal Shem Tev? And the second, this part of Tanya, which in the end of the day is first, Sefer Shalbeninim, is telling you once I know that that's what it means believing in Hashem, what it means to serve Hashem also changes. Everything that you do when you serve Hashem has to be based on that understanding of what believing in Hashem means. In other words, the whole, what, it, what it means to serve Hashem changed. Once we understand Shari Yechavah it changes what it means to serve Hashem. So it's important to have a little bit of a, an understanding of what it says in Shari Yechavah first. So the central theme of Shari Yechavah is that when we say that Hashem is Echad, He's one, simple meaning of Hashem Echad means that He's the only deity, He's the only, Hashem, the only God, the only, there's no other, no other, nothing else has any control over the world or anything. That's the simple meaning of Hashem Echad. The Basham came and taught a revolutionary idea that when we say Hashem Echad, Hashem is one, 
It means that there is no other existence besides Hashem. Nothing existed. There's only one existence, and that is the existence of Hashem. That is a, that's the central, central theme of the Bashamtiv's teachings. That there's nothing, nothing that exists that is not Hashem. I mean, that, sound, that obviously sounds a little bit uh, radical because we see a world, we see a physical world, which is not a, which is not a godliness. So how did the two go together? So that's really what Shariq Vermon is all about, to explain how it's not a contradiction. And you have in, the, in some places in Chassidus, in other places in Chassidus, they'll say, if Hashem is one, so maybe well, we see a world, so maybe the world is an imagination. Maybe that's, that answers why Hashem is one. But they say, no, we can't say that, because it says in the Torah, Hashem created the world, that says in the Torah. Because as in the Torah, it must be true. So it's a reality that Hashem actually created the real world. It's not that the world is an imagination, is a, is a dimian, is a chiz The world is true reality. So how did the two go together? So I don't want to get into it in depth, because that's not the focus of what we're learning now. But the main, I'll just give one little point of what he says in Shari Chavemunah. He says, you have, let's say, um, a person throws a, a stone upwards. Right? So when someone throws a stone upwards, how long is the stone going to stay in the air? Depending how, many, how much energy you put into it. If you threw it with a lot of energy, with a lot of kayak, it will stay for a while. If you threw it only lightly, it will stay for a little bit. But the point is that after your energy expires, so to speak, the stone falls down. Why is that? Why when someone builds a table, for example, he can build a table and then he can go to sleep and the table stays there. When you throw a stone, your energy has to be there the entire time to hold up the stone. Otherwise, the full stone falls down. The reason is, very simple, because when you build the table, you didn't add anything. It's not your doing that's creating the table. The table was there already. The wood was there already. The wood has already that shape that you could, you just have to carve it out. You just have to take away the rest of the wood, the part that's sticking out, and, and carve the table or carve whatever it is, or add another piece of wood together. Whatever was there, whatever you've made now was already there. You didn't do anything. You're only, you're only sh- carving something, shaping something. You're not actually creating anything. When you throw a stone, a stone doesn't have the ability to be in the air. Right? The stone doesn't have the ability to be in the air. So therefore, why is it a yes in the air? Because your energy is like kind of pushing it up. Right? Your energy is holding it up. So because the reason why it's in the air is only because of your energy, therefore, every, if your energy expires, it will, the stone will fall down. If it's not, if it, if, while the energy is there, the stone stays up. Right? So, so the same thing, says Al-Tarab, the same thing. When Hashem created the world, the world doesn't have, it's, it's totally from new. It's only because Hashem created the world that the world is here. The world, there was, not, there was no world before, there was no ability, there was, no, there was nothing before. Hashem created the world. So why is the world there? Only because Hashem created the world. So if Hashem continues to create the world, then the world continues to exist. If Hashem stops creating the world, so to speak, then the world will stop to exist. There won't, won't be any world. This actually, it's a, a medrash, a medrash Tilim says, on the Pasuk, Le'elam Hashem Dvarcha Nitzah so Medrash Tilim that says that what does it mean? Hashem Your words are always in the heaven. It means the words that the Ebushta says when he creates the Shemaim Hirakia, those words are always in the heaven, so to speak. And if those words won't be there, then the, the heaven won't exist anymore. There's only 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 because Hashem is creating it every second, is it really there? So now like this, if we take that and we go a little further and a little deeper, when you have something like someone throwing the stone, and because because throwing the stone is a chidush or something which is new. Um, if, you don't, if your energy expires, we said it's going to fall down. So what happens while the stone is yes in the air? Is the stone, has the stone changed? Has the stone changed? Has the stone become a flying stone? Is, that, is something changed in the stone itself? Or is it just that your energy is holding up the stone? Right? The st- anything which has to come onto something else to continuously um, make that, that continuously habilitate that that thing should happen, then that means, if you go into it deeper, that really means that what you're doing, you haven't changed anything. It's only that energy that's allowing this to continuously happen. That's the only thing that's here there, that, that, that energy. Like for a much simpler muscle. If a person's standing in front of a mirror, right? If you walk away from the mirror, you're not going to see your image over there in the mirror anymore. If you walk away from the mirror. So what's the pshat? Is the pshat that really when you were standing in front of the mirror, something really changed in the mirror. There's a real, you know, there's a real picture in the mirror. It's just like a tanai. If you, you have to stand there for that picture to continuously be there. But if you go away from the mirror, the tanai goes, is broken, and therefore it doesn't stay anymore over there. Is that the pshat? That's, 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 that's ridiculous to say like that. Everyone understands that when you're standing in front of a mirror, the very fact that if you go away from the mirror, your image won't be there in the mirror anymore, that shows you that even while you're standing in front of the mirror, what is it? There's nothing changed in the mirror. It's your image being projected in the mirror. There's nothing there besides your image. Right? So, because like we said before, Hashem creates the world continuously every second. And if Hashem would stop to create the world, the world wouldn't exist. So that means that even while Hashem is creating the world, is it actually the world that's, that's here? Is there something that's here besides godliness? There's a world being created, but what is that world? Like the image in the mirror. What is that image? There is an image in the mirror. It's not, a, it's not an imagination. 
But what is that image? It's just the projection of the person himself. So too, the world is nothing but Hashem's Dibur creating the world. There's nothing here besides Hashem's Dibur creating the world. Now this is a, it's a very deep concept and a, we could elaborate on a lot more. But like I said, it's not the focus of what we're going to talk about today. I'm just bringing this as a kind of an introduction to understand that this is the central theme of, of, of Chassidus. That the central theme is that we have to believe that there's nothing besides Hashem. Why does that, what does that mean? What does that change in our, in other words, what does that change? How does that, what, is, what kind of difference does it make besides the difference in Amunah of what you believe? It doesn't just, it's not just a question of Amunah. It's a question of everything. What it means when we say that a person has to serve Hashem. What it means that uh, we have to do Torah mitzvahs. Usually, we are uh, inclined, what, is, what does a person think? What does it mean that a person is sent to this world, he has a job, his job is to do Torah mitzvahs. What does that mean? That means that he's a person, he was created, he's a person, he's his own individual person, he has his own, you know, his own seichel, his own midis, his own and he's a person, and he's just supposed to be subservient to Hashem. He's supposed to just mevatel himself to Hashem. Hashem, just like you have, let's say, a evad, you have a, a servant, and you have a master. So the servant, is a, he's a person on his own, but he realizes the master is in charge of him, so he serves the master. But it's not that the, the Eved is a person. It's not that there's only the master here. There's the Eved as a person. The Eved is subservient to the, to the master. He gives himself, he listens to the master. That's what a person usually thinks. What's the idea of Torah mitzvahs? What are we doing on this world? There's Hashem. He's the Almighty. He's the creator. He's, he's, he runs the world. Our job is to listen to him. Not to do what we feel like doing, to listen to Hashem. But according to the Hashem teachings, then what really what means that Hashem is Echad, that Hashem is one, means that there's no other existence besides Hashem, Whole Avedas Hashem is all about revealing that existence itself. In other words, the fact is that there's actually nothing besides Hashem. We, naturally, we don't feel that way. We feel ourselves. We have a, no, every single person has an ego. He feels himself as a person. He has his own, his own way of feeling, his own what he wants, what he thinks. The idea of Avedas Hashem is that you should reveal, you should come to that recognition and really feel and, and, and really understand and really feel that there is nothing besides Hashem. And everything that we do in this, everything, all Torah and mitzvahs, is all a tool to get to that, to get to that situation, to get to that, to that uh, matziv, that you actually feel in a true and real way that there's nothing besides Hashem. Right? You know, I'm sure some, some people have heard of, uh, of uh, uh, the big machlekes uh, that there is about simsum. There's a machlekes about simsum. If the simsum is kipshute or not kipshute. Right? Without getting into the... All the specifics, but the idea was Hashem, so to speak, before he created the world, there was his light, his infinite light, so to speak, shined everywhere. And in order for him to create a world that's uh, that that seems that looks like an identity that has its own identity, that's something that's not godliness, so to speak. It's, this is what Arizal speaks that Hashem had to, so to speak, mitzamsim had to remove his light and make a company, make an empty space where there could be room, there could be room for a, for a, for something other than Hashem, so to speak. So there's a big machlekes. What does that mean? Simsum is kapshute or not kapshute? The others, many people said it means kapshute. It means that Hashem removed himself, so to speak, allowed that there should be something other than Hashem. But Hashem just watches over. Hashem looks at the world. Hashem controls the world. But he himself, the world itself, is something separate from Hashem. Simsum kapshute does, simsum she'ena kapshute, that's what the Balshemtev and the other G'dayla Achsidis were very stressed a lot that the simsum is not kapshute. It means Hashem continues to be everywhere. The world is created in a way that there's nothing other than Hashem. There only is Hashem. It's just tzimtzum means that Hashem concealed himself. He, he allowed that there should be a reality that looks at itself as if it's something from Hashem. But that doesn't change the true reality that there's nothing besides Hashem. So the Aveda of a person, what is a person's mission on this world, is to reveal that truth, that he shouldn't see things the way it is because of the tzimtzum, the way it is at, uh, as a result of the tzimtzum. He should see the truth that there's nothing besides Hashem. So practically speaking, this changes so many things about how a person serves Hashem, which is really what this whole Sefer is going to be about. But I'll just give one, one example of a very like a practical example. The idea of gaiva, let's say. What does it mean to be about gaiva? Right. Some, people, some people think it means uh, not to be about gaiva, to be honor means just that you'll act nice to people, even if you're a great person. You really feel that you're great. You just act nice to people. The, there's uh, Sharm already speaks about that, that sometimes such a person could be even a great about gaiva. But let's say even, even a, uh, on, a, on a better level. I, I once read a story about someone, which is probably not even a true story, so I'm just bringing it out only to, uh, just to, to bring out the point. So it's not a, it's not a, I'm not trying to speak about any specific person or anything, because I don't even think the story is true. But there was a, um, a, the, a certain Rav who was asked to come to a certain place, to Mechazik, uh, the people over there in Yiddishkeit, and to, you know, they would, to be a big, it would be a big tale, so it would be great if he would come to that place. So he said he's scared to come to that place because he knows that he's going to get a lot of covet in that place. 
And if he's going to get a lot of COVID, then that's going to take away from his Elam Abba. He's scared that it's going to take away from his Elam Abba. So this is seemingly, he looks like he's a big Anav. He doesn't want the COVID, right? But the, according to Chassidus, that's not a form of Anav at all. That's actually a form of Gaiva. Because the fact that he's thinking about his Elam Abba, his individual, his, what's, what's good for him, that's already against the whole premise of Ein Movada that there's nothing besides Hashem. Well, who are you? It's all about Hashem. It's not about what's good for you. And therefore, you might be going away from, you might be running away from COVID, but you're still all into yourself. The Adarabah, uh, if you go there and you help other people, you're, you're, you're helping Hashem's mission on this world. You're helping other people even do mitzvahs. That's more about Hashem than about yourself. So this, 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 this translates in so many different ways about what it means every single middle when we talk about every single thing has a different meaning once we understand that our mission in this world is to reveal that there's nothing besides Hashem. Okay, so that's a... Uh, man's mere existence is in contradiction. Sorry? Man's existence is in contradiction to that... We spoke before that it's not a contradiction. The actual existence is really only a form of Hashem's, it's only Hashem's Dibur creating the world. That's what we spoke before, the marshal of the mirror. It's just that we don't feel that naturally. Naturally, we see, we don't feel that we're just a, a, an expression of Hashem creating the world. We feel that we are actually, we have our own ego, our own, own, uh, own, individual, own individual person, our own individuality. But the mission is to reveal that truth, that your existence really is nothing besides Hashem. There's nothing, your existence is not your own existence, it's only Hashem creating you. Okay, let's read inside. It says, Peter Kalef, Tanya. Safe pair of Gimel the Nida. There's a Bryce and the Gemara says in Nida. Shpi Mesa Titzad Gvaltirasha. Before Neshama comes down into this world, we, we force the Neshama to uh, make a promise and to swear that he's going to be a Tzadik. This Neshama is going to continue to be a Tzadik. The entire life that he's going to be is going to be a Tzadik and not a Rasha. And even if the entire world tells you you're a Tzadik, you should always consider yourself a Rasha. That's part of the shvaz. It has two parts. The shvaz has two parts. Number one, you have to be a tzaddik your whole life. Number two, you have to never consider yourself a tzaddik. Even if everyone thinks you're a tzaddik, you have to consider yourself a rasha. Every neshama has to take this oath before it comes down lamata. So b'tzaddik love, and Al-Tarev says, we have to understand, if we have a Mishnah novice, so first of all, it's just a stira from Chazen Chazal. One Mishnah says, one Braisa says you have to always consider yourself a Rasha. And the Mishnah Nava says you should not consider yourself a Rasha. Don't look at yourself as a Rasha. That's first. Then he asks also from Svar. The first question wasn't a question in Svar. It was just a question of a contradiction in the Gemara. But then he asks also on Svar, in logic. The Gam, Im Yibain of Kurasha, if you're going to consider yourself as a Rasha, it doesn't make sense logically. Because Yeda Levave, you're going to be depressed, you're going to be down always, because you're a Russia your whole life, you're, you're, you're going to be very down. And you will not be able to serve Hashem with joy, with simcha. It's a pasuk. the pasuk says, that Hashem says he's giving us all the punishments, only because, even if we served Hashem, but only because we didn't serve him with proper joy. Ramam says, stresses this, and the that's how the, the simple shot in the puzzle is not necessarily like that, but that's how the Ram explains the puzzle. A person is not enough that a person serves Hashem. He has to constantly be joyous. So if a person is always going to be considering himself a Rasha, it's, uh, he's going to be depressed, not going to be happy. I just want to stress, when Chazal say, some people might take that to mean, yeah, always like, you know, look at yourself also as a Rasha, but really down, deep, deep down, you know, you're not a Rasha. So you could still serve Hashem b'simcha. In other words, you know, Say I'm a Rasha. Go around saying I'm a Rasha. Look at yourself. Put yourself down. Really, deep down, I know what I am, and therefore I can still be b'simcha. But you know, like they say a story. Uh, they say that there were people uh, who used to sit in the attic, prushim people. They used to say about themselves, "When I garnish, when I garnish, they would put themselves down. I'm nothing." And then a person walked in one time, a foreigner, and he walked in and he said, he "Started he saw everyone saying, "When I garnish, I'm nothing." So he also started to say, "When I garnish." So they turned to him and they said, "Vebis tutz zagnes ta garnish." Who do you think you are to say you're nothing? Right. So, so, so the same thing. You can have a person. That he says, that's like a garnish. He knows that he's a great person, but he thinks that's like part of his Aveda to say, I'm a Rasha, to constantly tell myself, I'm a Rasha. That wouldn't be a stira to Simcha. But when Chazal say, the Torah is truth. The Torah doesn't talk, talk doesn't, it's not about games. When the Torah says, it's really true. You are supposed to look at yourself a Rasha, meaning that's the truth. In one level, you are a Rasha. Every single person has to know he is a Rasha. Which, that's, that sounds crazy. What do you mean every person is a Russia? Everything you're going to do your whole life, no matter what. You, and you are a Russia. Chazal say, that means it's true that you are a Russia. How does that go together? How is that possible? And then it's going to be, it's going to bring a person to Atzvah, to depression. It's not going to serve Hashem properly. Then he says, If let's say we have an Eitzel, a person has to take a know he's always a Russia. 
Ah, if you know you're Russian, I'm going to be able to serve Hashem B'Simcha. Pashtaitza. Make a decision that I don't care that I'm a Russia. I know I'm always going to know I'm a Russia, but I don't care. It's not going to bother me. I'm not going to be upset that I'm a Russia. But then we have a worse problem. If someone doesn't care about being a Russia, he's ultimately going to stop caring about Tayyip Mitzvah at all. A person keeps Tayyip Mitzvah because he realizes his mission is not to be a Russia. He's bothered by being a Russia. He doesn't want to be a Russia. If he doesn't care about being a Russia, he's going to come to Kalos. It's even worse. He's, going to be a, he's not going to be a person who listens to Asha. Which The truth is, this is a question. In other words, what is a Russia supposed to do? Is a Russia supposed to be depressed because he's a Russia and then he can't serve Hashem B'Simcha? Or is he not supposed to care that he's a Russia and then he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, gonna, he's not going to stop caring and not fix himself? What is a Russia anyway supposed to do? Even if we didn't have this thing that Chazal say, Hayyeh Be'nechik to Russia, what is a Russia supposed to do? Care about it or not care about it? So that's a question. Now, Trebbe is going to address that question. But that question is not as strong of a question what Al-Tarab is asking. Because that question, we could say, okay, a Russia has a problem. So don't be a Russia and you won't have that problem. But here we have Chazal saying, every person always has to be look at himself as a Russia, which means that's the truth. On one level, he's a Russia. And so then, his whole life is no aid. So there's nothing he could do. You can't say don't be a Russia because you constantly have to be a Russia. So you're constantly going to have this problem. Either you're not going to be besimcha or you're not going to care about being a Russia and then you're going to come to Kalos. So this is never, never Eitzah, never, never possible to serve Hashem properly. Okay, so he says, We find the Gemara says there are five different kinds of people. There's a Tzadik V'Tevle. Tzadik V'Tevle means someone who's a Tzadik, but he also, and he also has good in this world. Tevle, so he has, he has riches, etc. Tzadik V'Daloi. Tzadik, he's a big Tzadik, but it's bad for him in this world. Then you have a Rasha V'Tevle. You have someone which is a Rasha, but it's good for him in this world. Then you have a Rasha Vidala. You have someone which is a Rasha and it's also bad for him in this world. And then it's a Bainim. Then you have someone which is in the middle. He's not a Tzadik, he's not a Rasha, he's in the middle. He's in the middle. Pishuk Gemara, who are these people? The Gemara explains. Tzadik Vitevli, Tzadik Gom. Tzadik Vidala, Tzadik Shayna Gom. The Gemara explains like this. This is the way the Masha explains the Gemara. You have a person which is a Tzadik Gom. So, before we even go further, what is a Tzadik Gom and Tzadik Shayna Gom? Very simply, when you learn the Gemara, a Tzadik Gom means someone who doesn't do any Avedis, only does mitzvahs. A Tzadik Shayna Gom. He's pretty much a tzaddik, you know, but once in a while he maybe does a, he does an Aveda. Rasha Gomor is someone which is no mitzvah, he's no good. Rasha Shaina Gomor, he's a Rasha, but he has some good to him also. And then a Benin is like a guy, little man, half mitzvah, half Avedis, right? He's in the middle. That's a little bit passionate. So, what's the Pshat in the Gemara? If you're a tzaddik Gomor, so you only have good, so Hashem doesn't have to uh, wait to reward you in Elam Abad. There's nothing to punish you for. So, he gives you Tevla, he gives you Tev in this world. And then he can continue to give you tayv b'elam abad. There's no, no reason to punish you whatsoever. If you're a tzaddik she'en agomer, because you have a little bit of bad, right? Because you have a little bit of bad, so uh, Hashem really wants to reward you, because at the end of the day you're a tzaddik, but he also has to punish you for the little bit of bad that you have, so to speak. So it's an alloy, it's an alloy in elam azah. And then in elam abad, the Ebishter gives, uh, gives him all the reward. That's the, the Pashup Shat in the Gemara. And same thing with the Rosh Hashem and Rosh Hashem the other way around. Rosh Hashem is a Rosh Hashem Gomor. And therefore, because he has a little bit of good, Hashem doesn't want to give him any Yelam above, because in the end of the day, he's a Rasha, so the Ebishta gives him good in this world to reward him for the little bit of good that he has. And then, uh, like they say, then there's a Rasha uh, Viralev that he doesn't have any good, so Hashem, Hashem uh, doesn't have any reason even to reward him in Yelam Then you have a Bainan, which is in the middle. Okay. Then he brings the Beraya Mahem, the Pashtun Mishpat and Pirish. Beraya Mahem is a part of Zaya, which was attributed to Meshad Rabbeinu. And it says over there that Tzadik Viral, Pirish Tzadik Viral, Isharasha Bekaf of Lutayf. Now he has a, a more deeper understanding of what we mean when we say a Tzadik Viral. <coughs> Simple meaning of Tzadik Viral is we're not describing what kind of person he is. We're describing his situation right now. He's a Tzadik Viral. It's not good for him in this world. We're not describing who he is. We're describing what, what's going on with him in this world. He's Tzadik Viral. Rai Mahemna says, no, Tzadik Viral itself is a description of what kind of person he is. He's a Tzadik. But the ra loy, the rasha be'kaf of l'toif. He has good and he has bad. But the bad is totally subservient to the good. In other words, the bad never speaks up. The bad is, is, is it's there. There's a bad there, but it's kaf of l'toif. We're going to understand these things a lot later when we get, as we go on in Tanya. But that's the point of what it says in the Raimam. That Tzadik Barali, he has bad, but it's subservient to the good. Now, besides for the fact that Raimam Mahemna has an interesting way of defining the word Tzadik Barali, what we already see from the Raimam Mahemna is that the understanding of what a Tzadik She'en Gomor is different to the way you simply understand Tzadik Shein right? What did we just say? The Pashtus simply means, what does it mean in Tzadik Shein Gomer? Tzadik Gomer means someone who only does good. Tzadik Shein Gomer, he wants to know, well, does an Aveda also. A little bit of Avedis, right? If the Raya Mahemna says that a Tzadik Virali, which the Gemara says is a Tzadik Shein he says, what does it mean a Tzadik Virali? Sharasha be'kof of that the bad that he has 
is totally subservient to the good. So what does that mean? That the Tzadik Sha'in of Gomer never does anything wrong. Because the Ra is Kafa Flutei. The Ra doesn't speak up. The Ra is Kafa Flutei. So we already, understand, already see over here that the, 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 the conventional understanding of what it means that Tzadik Betevla, Tzadik Berali, Tzadik Gomer, Tzadik Sha'in of Gomer is not the way we, we would simply think that it means. Right? It's not, it's not that Tzadik Gomer means he only does good and Tzadik Sha'in of Gomer does a little bit of bad. Because Ra Loi means Ra Shabbat Kafa Flutei. It's, it's totally subservient to the good. Okay. Now, it goes on, he says like this. The Gemara is off test the brachas. This is another Gemara. And the other Gemara says, Tzadikim Yitzitayv Shaifton. The Tzadikim their Yitzitayv rules over them. Not rules, actually. Shaifton is, uh, means judges them. The actually makes it later and stresses that. That doesn't mean rules over them. It, it judges them. The Yitzitayv judges them. Rishayim Yitzahara Shaifton. The Rishayim the Yitzahara judges them. Beinim Zavazah Shaifton. Now, Beinim means someone that both of them judge. Both the Yitzitayv and the Yitzahara. Omar Abbas, Rabbi says, Who's an example of a Bainini? I'm an example of a Bainini. That's what Rabbi says. Amalei Abayis, Abayis said to Rabbi, Abayi was Rabbi's student. He says, If that's the case, that you're a Bainini, so you're not allowing anyone else to live. A simple Pshad, the way Rashi says is, if you're a Bainini, then no one is a Tzadik. Because you're so great, so who's a Tzadik? Another Pshad you'll see, you could learn. If you're a Bainini, then we're all a Shayim. And what does it say about a Shayim? That the Shayim B'chayim Kruim Mesim. So you didn't give life to anyone. We're all the shayim. We don't have. We don't have any chayim. That's what, that's what he said. That's what Abai said. So Lahavin calls that a bad hater. We have to understand this. All, all these all these things. These different madrigas. And what does it mean that the rabbi thought he's a benin? We have to understand this well. Eve said he turned today, and he said he wants to lift the asaylam and adin. He wants to get out anyone from being punished. He wants to limit schos to get everyone not to be punished. He said. You judge, judge people and you say this is a shayim, but you brasa tzadikim brasa shayim. You created tzadikim and you created the shayim. So what do you want from them? You created them that way. So the question is, what tzadik brasa leikom? It's a famous gemara that we have neshamas lemaila before it comes down. The malach says tipazul. He's going to be ashir or He's going to be. He's going to be a rich man. He's going to be a poor man. He's going to be smart. He's not going to be smart. But tzadik brasa leikom. It doesn't say. If he's going to be a tzaddik or a rasha, because that every person can decide if he's going to be what he's going to do in this world. Every single person has has free choice to decide what is what he's going to do in this world. So how could the say, you created tzaddik when you created the shayim, and that's a reason to say that uh, no one should get punished. It's it's up to the person. It's not up to it's not up to it's not something that he was created that way. Now, Al-Tareb says, really what we really have to understand is, what is this Bainani that's mentioned in the Gemara? Who is a Bainani? It's that, simply, we said a Bainani means someone who's half and half. A little bit of mitzvah, a little bit of half, half mitzvah, half is. Now, Al-Tareb says, that's, that's definitely not the case. She'im kein, eich to How could Rabbah have made that mistake to say that he's a Bainani? Well, again, when Rabbah said, I'm a Bainani, he wasn't like a false honor that he knew... I'm a, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I sit and learn a whole day, but oh, I, I, I'm going to go around telling people that I have half a vase. That's not, that's a game. That's not, a person like Rabbi wouldn't do things like that. When it says, Aish Meisha, Anav Meid, the Meisha was the biggest Anav, it doesn't mean that he went around telling people that he's less than, than he was and he didn't really know who he was. It means he knew who he was. He just said, you know, Hashem, if Hashem would have given my potential to someone else, maybe he would have done more with it. There's different ways of understanding what Meisha's Anav was, but it's definitely, a person, it's not that he could contradict what he, what's clear. How great he was, and like, what of a great of a navi he was, Meishu Rabbeinu. So same thing with Rabbe. Rabbe, like we say, like the Alter Rabbe continues, Noidad leipasi pumim megis. I feel malchamavus leachal lishlet bay. The Rabbe, we know that the um, that he didn't, he 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 was so he didn't ever stopped learning to the degree that when the malchamavus wanted to wanted to uh, take him away, malchamavus doesn't have any control over someone that's learning Torah. Like by David Amalek says also, he doesn't have any control over someone who's learning Torah. So he had a hard time taking Rabbi away. So if Rabbi was such a master, he never stopped learning. So it's impossible that he should make a mistake. Sometimes a person makes has another because of a mistake. He doesn't realize how great he is. But there has to be something which is relative to his actual madriga. To think that he has half a venus, that's, that's not, not possible. The Rabbi should think something like that. Right? Sorry? He's being the Hayy Ben But so then basically you're, you're saying that the Hayy Ben means to be a liar to yourself. That itself you have to understand the Hayy Ben Right? That's, that's the problem. That's, that's true. That's part of that's the same problem. The the same problem. It's impossible to say that the Torah is demanding from someone to, to, to lie to himself. That's not Torah's emphasis. It's, it's truth. It's not about uh, making up, making believe things. So Rabbi didn't say 
know that he's that he learns Tera whole day and go around telling people that I have Mechzavenis. That's not that's not what it was. Therefore, how does how did Abba think that he was a Bainis? So obviously a Bainini is someone that Abba could have at least made a mistake that he's a Bainini. Someone very great that Abba could have thought that he has that that's what he is. So what is it? So he says, a person does an, one Aveda even, at least if he's in that state that he's able to do an Aveda, he's considered a Rasha. He brings lies from Gemara. Even one Aveda. And don't, you, might, you might say, what's a Bainini? A Tzadik is someone who never did Avedis. A Bainini is someone who did Avedis, but he did Shuvah. says the Altarebbe, if a person did Avedis and he did Shuvah, he's actually considered a Tzadik Gomer. The Gemara says, if someone was Mekadosh, a Saisha, he gave Kiddush and Amenas, Shani Tzadik Gomer, Amenas, and the Tanai, and the Kiddush, and the Tzadik Gomer, Safik Mekodash, she needs a get. We're not sure. Maybe she's married to him. Why? Because maybe he did Shuvah, believe Maybe he had a thought of Shuvah, and that uh, thought uh, made it turn him into a Tzadik Gomer. So what you see is, that a, a person who has does tshuva becomes a tzadigam. So, so that can't be. So, Manusha, if you do one Aveda, you're a Rasha, Chasusham, and if a person does tshuva, it becomes a tzadigam. Even if a person does a Aveda of Midrabonan and a Isakal, like a, not a strong Aveda, so to speak, Midrabonan, he's also considered Rasha. Gemara says, please do it, consider Rasha. Not only about your own Avedis, consider make you consider consider a person a Rasha, even if he doesn't take responsibility for others. He sees other people doing Avedis and doesn't try to correct them. He's also considered a Rasha. Definitely, how much more so? When we talk about someone which didn't, if he's just the Isid Rabbana makes you have it, or just not taking responsibility for someone else. So for sure, if you didn't, if you were Mavatal, a mitzvah sasei minat for example, if someone could have learned Teira for one second, he had the ability to learn Teira, and he didn't use out that time to learn Teira. So we have very, very few people that are so makbir and b'tayr. Chazal themselves say, shleish haveris, any other mitzvah There are three haveris that people do not get saved from every single day. And one of them is, because every time that you were able to learn Tera and you didn't learn Tera, that's an Aveda. But, and it's such a great Aveda to the extent, like the Altar brings it, that it says, you've, you've desecrated the word of Hashem, you've like, you're being Mavaza Hashem, and you're cut off from Hashem, so to speak, if you were able to learn Tera and you didn't learn Tera. So if even someone which goes and is Mavato, or someone who doesn't, another person is considered Rasha, definitely someone who has this strong and great Aveda, Bittu Tera. Which means that even though it's such a hard Aveda to be to be careful with, but but the fact is you're gonna have to be we're gonna have to consider someone like that a Rasha. So then he says, Now we are a little bit understand why Rabbi thought that he's a Bainini. We don't know yet exactly why he thought that and what's a tzaddik, what's a bainini, but we understand that a bainini is not such a simple person. A bainini is someone which never even mavatal for one second. Okay, so now even if an Abba was a tzaddik, it makes sense that he he underestimated himself a little bit and he thought he's a Benini. If a Benini means someone who's half a Vedas, it doesn't make sense that he would underestimate him to that level. Okay. Let's just stop for a second. This, this will finish. I want to just... Uh, what, what's, 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 what is this teaching us? This whole thing that Dr. Rebbe is saying. It was, it, he, there's a famous story, they say. Apil Paracher was uh, one of the great students of the Mithla Rebbe. And he was a, a big tzaddik, and he was, you know, like a tzaddik in the conventional sense of the word. I mean, he was a, he was a person that, uh, when he was 12 years old, he was Baki and Shas, and he knew Sifri Kabbalah, and he was a tremendous Yir Shemayim. And he, before he said, before I learned Tanya, I thought I was a tzaddik Goma. Then when I learned Tanya, I said, Halavai Benini, Halavai that I should be a Benini, right? He learning what it says over here, what a Benini is, he doesn't even have Avon Bittu Teda. But what is, what's the difference? Like, what, what's the difference? So we translated what people usually think is a tzaddik, we consider that a Benini. What difference does it make to your life if you call that a maiden or you call it a tzaddik? So now I used to think that that's called a tzaddik. Now I think that's called a maiden. What's, what's the difference, right? How does, that, how does that make a difference to your life? And it's at the beginning of time. The Rebbe starts off with this. So this goes back to what we spoke at the beginning as a Akdama for what the Rebbe speaks in time. The whole concept of Avedis Hashem, according to Chassidus, is recognizing that there's nothing besides Hashem. There's no you. There's only the Ebeshtah. So before he even goes into the whole discussion of Tanya, he, he has to define what it means serving the Ebeshtah. What does that mean? I'll give you a, a, a story that brings this out. Abitra the Masmid was a big chassid, a tremendous chassid, and he, was, he came to America in the 1930s to collect money. At that time, this was before the war, obviously, so there were yeshivas in America, but there was a very big difference between a European yeshiva bachar and an American yeshiva bachar. It was very different. So he came and he wrote a letter and he said, um, he wrote a letter to one of his friends in Europe and he said, what's the problem with the 
American yeshiva bachrim is that you have some good boys there that they sit and learn. The whole day they're learning, they're doing everything they're supposed to do. But they come at night and they go and they put their cover on, the, they put their, uh, their blanket on them. And they sit under the covers and they say, yes, now, you know, now I have a little bit of my own time now. Now the whole day I worked hard, but now it's a little bit me. That was to him the definition of American Shiva, but that was like the worst thing possible. In other words, like this. When we, what does it mean serving the Ebishta? Serving the Ebishta is not just about giving up from your time for the Ebishta. Serving the Ebishta is recognizing that there's no you. There's, you're only here. All that you're here is you're a vehicle to be able to, to, serve, to, to, to do Avedis Hashem in this world. So if a person, let's say, I'll give it, let's say, we have like this. We have Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. You have Reuven, which is a tzaddik, meaning a tzaddik, like meaning to say he never is mevatotele, like the Benin that he speaks here. He's never mevatotele, he never, doesn't do anything wrong. Then you have Shimon, he's peyrekel mamish, he eats nevelas, treifes, mechal shabbos, does everything wrong. Then you have Levi, which is a pretty good guy, he works hard, he works hard to lantel, he works very hard to do everything he's supposed to do. But what, he's shy once in a while to speak a little bit of Lashonara, to not learn what he's supposed to learn. Who is Levi closer to, to Reuven or to Shimon? Who is he similar, more similar to? Who would you say he's more similar to? Reuven, right? Obviously, he's close to Reuven. He's, he's almost like Reuven. He's just a little bit of a difference. He might, that might be true on, on one level. That's definitely true. He's doing mitzvahs, which is the greatest thing. No one like Tani is going to stress the mile of what it means doing a practical mitzvah, even, even if you're not holding anywhere. But, but on the, on who, if we're defining the person, he's a lot more similar to Shimon, actually. Because both him and Shivan have this problem that they think they look at themselves as a there's me, there's me, and I could do what I want. True, Levi also, a lot of the time, he's giving up for Hashem, but he's still an individual person, but he's able to do things that he wants sometimes. He's able to about the little potatoes, he's able to speak Hashanah. So when we say, and we explain what a Bainani is, that a Bainani means anyone, even someone which does a little bit of bit potatoes at Russia, that is a different definition of what it means serving the Ebishta. Before you even start anyway, you have to know what it means serving the Ebishta. Serving the Ebishta means revealing by yourself that there's nothing besides the Ebishta. That can only be expressed by someone who, at least in Maisa Bapayo, has no, nowhere, nothing that he does for himself. It's all about the Ebeshta. Now, a lot of, most people are not on that level of the Benini. And they have a, lot to, uh, to, a lot, they have a lot of work to do to get to that level. So it's not meant to bring down a person to Yish and say, now I'm not a, so what do I do now? I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm never going to be an Eved Hashem. That's not the point. The point is like this. When we define what Eved Hashem is, even when you're not holding on that level, you're at least working towards what you're supposed to be working towards. In other words, if someone doesn't know, I'll give an ex- a more pr- a practical example. Let's say the idea of, of pass, of getting angry at someone, right? So Chazal said, Kol So Chassidus explains why is that, why is someone who has caste like he's an Eved David Zara? Because the whole idea of Eved Zara, in a more deeper sense, is this idea of self, self-worth, self-feeling, that you feel yourself as something. It's not just about the Eveshtah. That's the beginning of Eved Zara. So if you're kayas, you let yourself, what someone else did bother you, that means that you're a metzius, you're thinking uh, there's nothing, it's not just the Ebeshter, it's you. If, if that, let's say someone learns that and he, he, not just he learns it, he lives with it, he learns it and relearns it and, uh, you know, and thinks about it and learns it. Does that mean he's never going to get angry at someone? Not necessarily, he might get angry at someone. The difference will be though, someone who hasn't learned that and doesn't live with that, when he gets angry at someone, someone did something wrong to him. Let's say someone truly did something wrong to him. Even the next morning, he thinks about it again. Ah, that guy really, what he did was really wrong. It's not okay. He thinks about it more. What he did was really wrong. Someone which lives with this truth that there's nothing besides the Ebeshter, even if he's not yet on that level that he's gotten there, but right away that his natural instinct might be to get angry. But the next morning when he wakes up, right, and he thinks about it again, he's a little more calmer, is it really right for me to be angry at him? I know that I'm supposed to not be, there's nothing besides Hashem. It doesn't make sense. So he's moichlin. Forget it. He forgets about it. In other words, even if you were not on this level of Abedini, like the, the Rebbe is speaking, but by defining what Avedis Hashem is, it changes every way, everything that we do has to be on that way that we're at least in, in taking another step forward to becoming, to recognizing and revealing by ourselves this truth that there's nothing besides Hashem. It's not about just doing another, another mitzvah, another, not, not less Avedis. It's also about that, but it's not just, that's not just what Avedis Hashem is. Avedis Hashem is revealing that truth, and therefore by defining that, what Abedini is, every step is always going to be in that direction. We'll continue next time. Thank you. Thank you.